There's a couple of things we really want you to know before you listen. One. We're both psychologists, but we're not your psychologists. Yeah. If you are looking for a therapist, please check out the notes in our episode descriptions. The other thing is this has... Some salty language. Explicit lyrics. We say the F word. We say things that you probably don't want your kids to hear. The D word. And also maybe things you don't want to hear. The C word. If that's not your bag, put your finger on the scroller and just drag it all the way to the end. (laughs) So we still get credit for you listening all the way through. All right. On on with the show. Dr. Diana's latest burp. Mm, Are we on? We're on. Is this thing on? Oh, not good for the microphone. Good for me, though. Bad for the 90 bucks I have to buy the new microphone with. Our money. Our money. We have a budget for microphone. Personal money, joint money. AKF did not like that we had a category of just microphone money. <laughs> That's our financial coach. AKF. We're adult. She has a whistle. What's up? Sup, dog? All right, that's going to be taken out, hopefully, because it's 2020, not 2002. Oh! Hey, I'm Diana, Dr. Diana. Okay. I'm a... Oh, this is Reverse Psychology, the podcast. Man, this is sloppy. Who's that? The car with the flashers? Yeah. I don't know. This is Reverse Psychology, the podcast. We record at our house in our front room. With our windows open. And there's some construction going on and a person... Oh, dropping something off. Um, Oh, it's a... Food delivery. This is a this is a podcast all about psychology and our neighborhood and <laughs> and what we can see out of our window. Yeah, it's a real Tracy Chapman of podcast. Welcome back to I Spy, where we both have a fast car. <laughs> we are married. Uh huh. We're both still, psychologists. Still. And we're, last time I checked, both of those licenses they were active. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Do we have to renew our um, marriage license? Every yeah, year? if it expires, then you have to take the test again. <laughs> Which is just the Newlywood game. I am a psychologist, licensed, comma, licensed, board certified behavior analyst. Comma, licensed, comma, certified. Not licensed, but certified. Oh, you lost it. There is no license mm. in Florida for that. Okay, well. And we'll see what I say when I introduce myself. I have a PhD in school psychology. That's cool. <gasps> Five oh. Oh, they just waved at our house. Okay, cool. What's up with you? Who are you? I'm Dr. Mike. I am a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm a self-licensed applied behavior analyst. That's not that's not true. You're not. I have an expired fishing license. Do you? No. I no. mean, I had a license once when I was like nine, so uh-huh. I'm sure it's expired by now. I have, a, I have an active library card to the Hillsborough County Library <laughs> System. And let's see what else is in my wallet. Health insurance. Hey, I have a I have a corrections corner. Okay. Uh, we've never done. Have we done corrections corner before? Uh, we every week we do, but I I cut it out because yeah, you know, it's not a good look. We're just. What's your correction? We're just like them. We are humans who make mistakes. Sometimes we intentionally slip in mistakes so then we can look human and apologize for it. Yeah. Sometimes we have people who come on the show as guests who want to be really accurate about everything they're saying. And yeah. we just laugh and laugh. Yeah. We just make shit up. We don't. But okay. what's your correction? I had a listener tell me that in the breakfast club, okay. we do see Brian's dad. Thank you. Brian's dad picks him up at the end. Yeah. Thank you. And... It's John Hughes. Oh, it is. Yeah, he doesn't say anything, but he makes a he makes a um appearance. Yeah, in my mind, I'm convi- I'm confusing John Hughes and Chris Columbus. But I think I, I, John Hughes is kind of Chris Columbus heavier. discovered America. He and Harry Potter discovered America with Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone. John he Hughes discovered land that was already occupied. Man, that's a hot take. Okay, <laughs> save that for Columbus Day. Okay. Hey, it's our one year anniversary, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh, episode fifty two. Episode fifty two. Against all odds, everyone said you can't nor should you do it. We lasted a year. <laughs> Together and the podcast. We've this is the third site of recording. Uh what else what else is different from the first time? Um we're, still we're a little working, older. We're a little older, a little wiser. We're almost done with our smart goal. So we need to talk about if we're gonna move on. What we're we gonna do. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about maybe doing a Patreon. Okay. If you're a listener and you know what that is and you have an opinion about it. Let us know. It doesn't mean you have to donate, but it means you can. Because we, we're poor. We're not poor. We're broke. We're, yeah. We're charmingly destitute. Yeah. Yeah. Like you wouldn't call the Artful Dodger poor. He was, he, was a, he was a scamp. We're both scamps. All right. So, um. I, our banter is top-notch today. Yeah. What's going on with it? I don't know. I feel like. I'm tired. You are. 
you also were just huffing a bunch of paint. We've done a lot of things apart this weekend. So maybe know, we're just not a- used to talking to me. I know. Where have you been all weekend? Well, I've been out in the sun. I can tell. I got some rays, caught some rays. Yeah. Your entire face, except for the part of your nose where that zinc was on, is beet red. <laughs> it's not. It's not, and I didn't. That, that was very clear and understandable. Um, no, I went on a... I've been, in, I've been really enjoying running on my own. We, you and I, I'm looking at you, Mike. Okay. Well, th- there were the only two humans in the room. Sometimes every once in a while I'll run together, but I've only been enjoying running by myself. Mm-hmm. We, we don't run with other people like we have in the past. Yeah. Um, run solo. Yeah, in, in groups. And I'm just, I'm enjoying being on my own. It's a good break because we're, you know, cooped up we're in the house together. We're constantly holding hands together in their house. Walking from one room to the next. Yep. We're doing the thing hands. where we're doing the Laverne and Shirley where we're like swinging our legs in front of each other's legs. <laughs> Shamil. Yeah. Shamazel. And every time I opened the fridge to pull out like a bottle of salad dressing, you had put your work glove on top of it. <laughs> and I just like wave my fist in the air. Oh, we had we had a very sweet visitor over the over the weekend. Well, Friday. Weekend yeah, adjacent. Visitors. Visitors. Dr. Katie and her beautiful husband. <laughs> they swung by to deliver us a pre-made Mai Tai. Mai Tais. Mai Tais. It was a gallon mason jar full of liquor. <laughs> so much liquor. I know. It was so, it was so sweet of and them. And it was. They brought us the porch. Well, they were going to drop it off on our porch, but we happened to be outside. We were outside being domestic. And they walked a couple steps from their car, put it on the ground, and then backed up. And then we walked forward, took it. Yeah. It was like a hostage negotiation. It was great. It took a lot of frontal lobe inhibition to like not go and go and hug them. I yeah, them. it's been hard. Yeah, to do that. It was I so agree. sweet of them. That um, drink was strong. I know. So they in a bag, in a like cute little bag, they yeah. brought us a big mason jar full of mai tai, mm-hmm. a jug that had three X's written across it, <laughs> two cups, two little umbrellas, two paper straws. Yeah, and they said just add ice. We did. Mm, we, we did the heavy lifting. We did. It was so good. It was good. Oh, thank you, thank you, Dr. Katie and Corey. Yeah, so awesome. What else? Should we? We have review. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Well, you used to like tell me when yeah. we would get reviews, and, and then, now you don't. Well, because I tell you, and then you look, and you're like, just wait. <laughs> just wait. I go okay. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. The title of this review is Noise. It's just nice, but I like to say noise. Oh, I thought they spelled it N-O-I-C-E. No, nope, just N-I-C-E. Noise. This is from Chelsea KK. Careful, one more and we can't read it on the air. <laughs> Been listening to this podcast for a few months now and have listened to every single one. I'm a senior undergrad psych student and I love that I can come here to get some easily understandable explanations for things and get a laugh in as well. Cool. The banter is iconic and so is the psychology they're talking about. Two exclamation points. Super recommend. Hi, Hi. Dana. Hi, Mike. High five star reviews. Hi, mom. Aw, I hope our mom listens. Hi, Chelsea's mom. Yeah. Chelsea's mom. The only way we can know if you receive this message is if you, if you give us a five star review. Yeah. And all of your friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're going to take the mom demographic by storm. I feel like moms aren't listening to a podcast. Well, my mom did once. Yeah, your mom's a, her own demographic. <laughs> Yeah. My dad probably did once too. Yeah, but then we so were talking was, about sex stuff, and he's yeah. like, I, I, don't, "I don't like this." Yeah. Well, mostly you were talking about sex stuff about me, and then yeah, it was not. Yeah. Who who else am I having sex with? I don't know. Nobody. Okay. Good. You keep it that way. The two Dianas in my life, you, and then that your old, hand that, named Diana. Almost like that old pillow that I read written your name across the top of it. <laughs> yeah, those two. My hand. That little soft accordion part of the refrigerator, I also wrote Diana across. Why? I had a friend. No. Uh, in college, no. I was at a party and a no. bunch of us, it was a bunch of dudes and we were all talking about like how we learned to masturbate. And my one friend said that he would take like sports water bottles and take and take the cap off and then he would have sex with the water bottle. What? That was <laughs> this tiny little opening. That was <laughs> Don't say his name. I'm going to bleep it out. But then another friend of mine said that he... That's a tiny hole. That's what I said. He said it was the big water bottles. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He had to clarify. Like the Gatorade bottles? I don't know. That's girthy. I know, yeah. It's either comically small or terrifyingly big. Either way, do not drink anything he offers you. 
Uh, but then I had another friend that said that he would just close his penis in the refrigerator. Oh, so many boys needed to be talked to about their bodies. Yeah, if you have a dad that is like is repressed and not talking about yeah, how to do I know. it, you are fucking everything. <laughs> the moment your parents leave the house, the moment you hear the lock click, it is just an orgy of you and every <laughs> inanimate object in the house. Who's ready for some fucking? <laughs> oh, I saw how that lampshade's been looking at me all day. Get over here. Yeah. I'm here for the gangbang. Yeah. It's just me <laughs> and a bunch of open water bottles. All right. Who broke the seal on every single one of these Coke cans? <laughs> all things psychology all the time. So thank you, Chelsea and Chelsea's mom. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. All right. So what do we got today? We have psychology today. So today I want what kind of psychology today? Antisocial psychology. Mm. So I'm gonna uh, full disclosure for for the fans in the room that really really come to this podcast for a really tight and coherent stream of a story. This is gonna be a fucking hodgepodge of information. Well, I felt like honestly, I, les- I listened to last week's and it was a little bit like that too. Like at one point, I was like, why didn't I start with what? it was like, oh you you said up front though you're like this is gonna be the pulp fiction of podcast episodes i did we're gonna start at the end oh like memento like memento yeah yeah my, but... favorite, my favorite pulp fiction movie memento <laughs> you're gonna have a tattoo on your arm you don't know what it means yeah. it'll make sense at some point yeah and I have, a, I have a tattoo on my lower tummy that says by milk like by yeah like like milk did it yeah harvey milk did it <laughs> cb comma milk did you ever write cb no it's cb corrected by Oh, no. Like in uh, high school when you have like trade papers. Oh, yeah. I would always put CB anonymous. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to be boastful that I corrected your stuff. So this is going to be a hodgepodge. You're yeah, gonna, so, it's like that House of Pain song, Jump Around. Yeah, it's like Jump Around if it was sung by John Hodgepodgeman. <laughs> I just can't. To, today. to John Hodgman in the room, that one was for you. I feel like minus this sex stuff that you said this would really delight my mom we can bleep it out she oh we should release two versions of this the mom friendly and the chelsea's mom friendly (laughs) my mom loves mike's dad jokes (laughs) yeah the other day i was chopping down a tree and then you you turned the facetime on me and i was a shirtless chopping down a tree and your mom goes where'd you learn how to do that and i told her that the instructions were on the axe and she was like you must laugh all the time to me she said that yeah not to me she yeah she thinks you're hilarious all right let's do this <laughs> one of my favorite things i said to her is <laughs> when she had her license taken away and she was oh. like i can't have my car anymore i don't know what to do with it and i told her just to open the garage door and let it roll away <laughs> i just had a funny image of your mom opening the garage door has a little bucket of rocks and she's just throwing it at her car and white fanging the car Aww. get out of here don't you know i don't need you anymore Mm. And the car just quietly rolls across the street and crashes into the house. Well, that wasn't one of the funniest things I think you've said. To What's my the mom. funniest thing I've ever said to your mom? I don't know. Let's move on. Think about it, and then by the end, okay. Let's. We'll that's it. not what people want to hear. Okay, so this is going to be a real uh, hodgepodge of information, only because as I started cracking open into this topic, I was like, "Holy shit!" There's so many directions to take this, and so this will probably be something that. Uh, if the podcast keeps living, I we, hope you go in all directions. I'm going to go in all directions, like a star. And then at the end, I'm going to go to one direction. And it goes they, this way and that yeah. way and this way. Yeah, up and over and down <laughs> and over. And for our Curb Your Enthusiasm fans in the room, and so I'm going to start by just going through the criteria for like what is antisocial personality disorder. Okay. Sometimes I feel like. Sometimes I feel like you just start chewing ice right into the mic. Sometimes I feel like this can get long and dry. What? So let's the DSM reading. So let's, yeah, it's gonna be really quick. I, let's just quick it up. I'm gonna quick it up, but then I'm gonna go into like observationally. What does it look like? Like what? What are we yeah, talking about? That's a good idea. And I then, wish I would have done that last week. Well, and then I'm gonna just kind of uh, house it, paint it for a while, and just see where we go. But I have a lot of information, different stuff we can go through. The criteria: This is a pervasive pattern of disregard for and violation for the rights of others, uh, occurring since the age of 15. So when they say that, you have to meet. Three or more of the following. Failure to conform to the laws. So basically you get arrested repeatedly. Uh, deceitfulness, indicated by frequent lying, conning, using aliases. Impulsivity, so a failure to plan ahead. Irritability and aggressiveness, so uh, fights and assaults. 
reckless disregard for the safety of self or others. So this might be like a lot of risk taking, getting injured a lot, hurting other people, consistent irresponsibility. So a failure to maintain a job or um, like constantly being in debt or defaulting on debts and a lack of remorse indicated by being indifferent towards behaviors or rationalizing why you had to do what you did. So just not taking responsibility. So it's adult conduct disorder. It's adult conduct disorder. So you have to be at least 18 years old to get this diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder. And there needs to be some evidence of conduct disorder prior to the age of 15. Even if you don't have that actual diagnosis on your record, if if you can track back that, oh, this has been through childhood, hmm. that you, you've kind of always been a difficult individual. Um, and this this can't be exclusive to another disorder. So like if you have a psychotic break and you start doing these things. Or like a traumatic brain injury. Um, actually, no, that's not a criteria, but it's not exclusionary. Well, if you had a, if you had a TBI from childhood, y- you would meet criteria for antisocial personality disorder. Mm. But if you had a TBI at age like 25, then it would, it would be like a TBI with, with, um, like behavioral problems. Okay. But, but that's a good point because, um, when we talk, thank you. Well, you're welcome. So when we talk about the reasons why this happens, that's a big one is is brain injury from an early age. Oh, I had a lot of concussions. I know. Much like how you learned last week that I have <laughs> oppositional defiant disorder, which I told someone at work that uh, this past week. I did was, they laugh? They did. They're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then there was like, <laughs> then like three or four hours later, they got back to me. They're like, I thought a lot about it. I also think I have that. Yep. I was like, good doesn't really yeah at work yeah, oh yeah especially where we work yeah it breeds it so what this actually looks like and so there's a really good book that i love called personality and its disorders a biosocial learning approach by teddy milan does it's have an apostrophe no you had to look i want to make sure because you asked as if it's a you spotted a typo on the cover nope nope it doesn't though it's an older book but it's it like really laid the groundwork for how we observe and talk about personality disorders and even though a lot of the stuff has been modified and updated over time a lot of the foundational stuff is basically how we still talk about these things and so he breaks down each of these personality disorders based on how it looks how the relationships are their cognitive style things like that 1985 i know copyright yeah he heard that i was conceived and he's like i gotta get on this book (laughs) this kid's gonna love it because i was conceived in 85 and I was birthed in 86. Mm. What it looks like. Uh, behaviorally, it's a range from uh, being fearless to being reckless. And so like more mild forms of antisocial personality disorder would be people that seem to take a lot of risks, not really show a lot of fear. And so they might be someone that will be the one to volunteer to do more dangerous things. Or they just seem to be doing more dangerous things. So like even like skateboarders and extreme sports people like who just yeah. engage in those things. A more se- those damn skateboarders. Those damn borders. Uh, <laughs> borders books. A more severe form would be being reckless. So this is someone who like is intentionally taking risks or going out of their way to speed or to drunk drive or to just do really dangerous things. Okay, so fearless and reckless can happen at the same time yes so here's a here's a way to think about it. like let's say the light fixture in this room was broken and if i was acting fearless i might be like oh i can i can fix this and like put on gloves gr- grab a screwdriver and try to fix it like being reckless might be just like i go in barehanded and start like working around with that i don't take any precautions for the safety of it um so this might be like driving fast versus like like driving 10 over the speed limit versus like 90 over the speed limit or like Mm. drunk driving or things like that. Back to fast car. Back to fast car. Tracy Chapman. This is also like a a person might look uh, more aggressive or irresponsible. So they're, they're just doing things carelessly. They're um, not really worried about the outcome of what they're doing. They'll, they'll like not clean up after themselves. They'll do things. And once their personal need is done, they're, they're done. They leave. So that like more, like more like smaller versions might be like, if they're eating at a food court, then they just leave their shit on the table and they don't like self-bus. Like that's a wildly <laughs> safe version of it, but that's, that's okay, I live a very, everyone. I live a very nerf life. So <laughs> not like, bringing th- your shopping cart back after you're done yeah, loading like, your car. Yeah, those are our antisocial behaviors, but like those are like very, oh, well that kind of brings up a good point is like what makes something a personality disorder. Yes. I think we've talked a little bit about this before, but what you can have antisocial tendencies Right. Yes. But what makes it a PD personality disorder? So that's great to bring up. So there is a just from the the standpoint of personality disorders in general, it's a pervasive pattern of behavior, regardless of what the environment is giving you. 
So okay. from this standpoint, like if if someone like acts aggressive towards you and you get aggressive back at them, that's that's not a personality disorder. Like the environment is calling for you to do that. If you are chronically proactively acting acting uh, aggressively or proactively lying, so that that's a big a big feature of antisocial in general. So there's like a cognitive style where it's very inflexible, very quick to perceive threats in the environment, and so there's like a this heightened sense of. People are out to get me. People don't have my best interests at heart. So I need to lie and cheat and steal my way through this before they do this to me. And so hmm. you are like you're you are a little bit paranoid. Yeah. So that that is a common blending with antisocial is like also paranoid personality disorder. So these are people who are. Can you, What's the percentage of people who have multiple personality disorders? I, I mean, I don't know. Oh. I feel like it's enough where when we just. When we discuss personality disorders often, when we're diagnosing them, we also include the features of other ones that they tend to have more predominantly. Mm. So you're kind of like, if you have one, you have probably have features of another. Right, probably. So you might say... Do I have one? So you might say, (laughs) uh, so-and-so has antisocial personality disorder with narcissistic features or with paranoid features or histrionic features. And so it's... What's the heavy lifter and what are like the smaller undertones that you're seeing with this? Mm. It, it is, I mean, in my experience, it's more rare to see just purely one of these things. You're going to, it's going to bleed over. Like mm-hmm. people don't neatly fit in these categories. But so anyways, to answer your question, a personality disorder, it's, I like to think about it more like a coping disorder. Mm-hmm. And so it's, what are the behaviors you use to cope with stress in your environment? And so these are, you're always going towards aggression. You're always going towards... Uh, that's the thing you filter everything through. That's that's your go-to style. And you're also always filtering things through threats and eliminating threats. Like the world is dangerous. Yep. You always have to be, uh, up, you always have to be on the front end of protecting yourself. Right. And that's where that rationalization comes from a lot. So it's like, why did you steal this? And it's like, well, they were, they left it out. And if I didn't steal it, someone else would have taken it. Like mm. yours, you have this perception that everyone is out for themselves. So why wouldn't you be doing that? I, you might be, you might talk about percentages later. I'm just wondering like what, what percent of people in prison Hi. have antisocial personality disorder? I feel like antisocial and narcissistic personality disorder would go hand in hand because people who have narcissistic PD are very, very, very self-centered and engage in things that are like very selfish. So like stealing, cheating, lying, all that. So the the people that I've interacted with in the clinical environment that meet criteria or carry the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder, I would say the vast majority had a lot of narcissism going on. Like that that if more often than not, that was the predominant feature was like very narcissistic, very self-focused, very aggrandizing. So it's people yeah. that will like really play up what they did and their role and their importance and how mm. but, but there's always this element where it's like when i was getting my associates i was the smartest in the room and that the professor was so threatened by me that <laughs> he failed me so i couldn't get my bachelor's because this person blocked me because he was so threatened by how smart i was mm. and so then i had to do x y and z to him so sure. it's, it's this element of not only am i this amazing person but i'm being blocked by others and my only recourse is being antisocial against them well, and also just being surprised that they can, that they get caught, I feel like is a big thing. Like, I feel like people with antisocial PD are like constantly breaking the law and think that they're above it and then are surprised that, they, that people are onto them. Right. So an interesting thing is for a while, there is this theory that people with antisocial personality disorder, they didn't have a theory of mind. And so they, they- that makes sense because they don't have a lot of empathy. So that's that's the thing is like well, more experimentation found that they actually do have a really good theory of mind. Mm. Like they they can take the perspectives uh, the perspective of other people. Yeah. But their callousness makes it so they don't really give a shit about it. Oh, they're high on the callousness scale. Yes, and so people so they that's how they're they are. They, they should just get more pedicures. They should. I get it. <laughs> That's why often these people are good at conning and lying because they can take the person's perspective and be like, oh, this is this is probably what you're looking for. I'm going to say this then. Like, oh, and so, they're good. They're cunning. They're, yeah, yeah, they're more cunning because they have a higher theory of mind sometimes. To go back to your original question, the percentage in the population, 3.6% of adults. Wow. Would be criteria for That's high in the US. In the United States. That's high. Yeah, it's high. That's higher than the number of people with OCD. But it's extremely high. But 
70% of people in prison meet criteria for antisocial personality disorder. How many... The rest are non-violent drug offenders, probably. How many people... I wonder how many people who have antisocial PD commit crimes. So that's a good, that is a very good question. And the difficulty is that I would imagine you would have a really hard time to find out, especially because not all crimes are created equal. So for instance- I meant violent crimes, if you couldn't hear it in my voice. I couldn't hear it in your voice. Mm. So that's a really great thing to bring up because when you look at it, and when I keep going through the, like how this appears and what it looks like, you're not necessarily being violent. Being aggressive isn't the same thing as being violent. So, right, right, right. That makes sense. So some key elements to talk about. Mm-hmm. When we talk about uh, aggressive behavior, it is intentional behavior. So in, in this context, intentional behavior that produces harm or hu- humiliation to another person who wishes to avoid that harm or humiliation. Okay. If you're a boxer and you're boxing with someone, like you're not, you're not showing aggressive behavior because that person's intending to right. get harmed yeah, and you're intending to get yeah, harmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's the environment. Uh, it's but the context. Y- yes. The interesting thing, like if you're getting mugged and you lash out and beat that person up, mm-hmm. that is aggressive behavior because that mugger's intention wasn't for themselves to get injured during it. Their hope is that they don't get injured. Okay. Okay. So so it, it, it's about both what are you doing and what was the intention of the other person. Okay. Antisocial behavior is aggressive behavior that is out of proportion with the provoking stimuli and carried out without regard for the other person's welfare or rights. Mm. So... Again, so let's say you... if So Trump supporters. Yes. Good. So again... Sorry. Let's say you get mugged. You fight back until like the threat is gone and then you like take off. Like that's aggressive, but it's not antisocial. If you fight the... Fight them to death. Yeah. If you fight them to death, like if you fight them and then they're incapacitated, then you get like a rock and smash their head in. Mm. Like that has become antisocial because you've... It's not in proportion to what was going on. Like the threat is neutralized. Now you're, you're going a little bit further. And so the the antisocial piece is acting yeah. aggressive, but again, that ag- just feels like emotion dysregulation. Like you can't bring it back. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's a big, a big piece of this is like mm-hmm. p- poor regulation of emotions. Mm-hmm. Again, the thing to think about is aggressive behavior doesn't always have to be like bodily damage. So if someone makes fun of you and you make f- fun of them back, like that is aggressive. Like mm-hmm. you're intending to humiliate the person. But if someone says like, oh, nice haircut, Diana, and then you just start fucking berating that person. <laughs> As I do. For days on end, like that is antisocial. Like if you just target that person. Mm. The more extreme antisocial behavior is when you anticipate someone being aggressive towards you. So you proactively are aggressive towards them. So like a lot of like school bullies are that way where it's yeah. like, I feel like you're going to be mean to me. So I'm just going to fucking lay into you before you can be mean to me. Have you ever diagnosed anyone with this? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've. I don't work with adults, really, so I don't. But I I know some adults that I feel like should be diagnosed with this. Yeah, when I've worked more with the, the military type of people, I've, I mean, that that's the more common environment, only because people with antisocial personality disorder are extremely unlikely to seek treatment. And even if they're coerced into going to treatment, so if like there's a court order to go or whatever, they're very unlikely to stick with it. And so... The times I've diagnosed it are times where people were mandated to come see me and then through talking with them. So a couple of other like key distinctions of what it looks like. Okay. I also, I want to say, I want to just pause it. Okay. I wonder how many male domestic violence offenders have antisocial personality disorder. Oh, probably super high. Because I was just thinking about how like DV offenders are very, um, manipulative and coercive and violent and i i just i don't know i just feel like i it's scary to think about how high the percentage is and like how many people like end up marrying people who have antisocial personality disorder like you don't expect people to have it right you're not like living your life thinking like oh there's so many of them out there right yeah there's a subtype of antisocial personality, which is with like with uh, psychopathy. So those are like the more violent offenders. Uh-huh. And so like that, I would imagine there's a high correlation where if they seek relationships, they're probably ultimately going to become like violent or dangerous relationships. Mm-hmm. The interpersonal style of someone with an antisocial personality disorder, it ranges from antagonistic to uh, belligerent. Like a more mild, mild form or more like well-contained form would just be someone who's like pretty like they will argue. They will like mm. they'll pick fights a lot. But like the more extreme version is someone who is just a belligerent or aggressive with other people. Do you think they have and it's like big generalization, but do you think they have insight to this point where they can be like, 
Uh, I'm pretty antisocial. I engage in some antisocial behaviors. That is a good question. And I think, so when we get to the self-perception okay. element, it, keep that put, keep that in mind. Okay. Put a pin in that. Another element of interpersonal style is like being really cold and really coarse, unless you need something. You will see people who, if you are deemed a, per- of an, a per- person who has something they need, they can be very charming. They can be very, like they, they can identify pretty quickly what you need or what you want. And then they will... That's adaptive for them. Yeah, it's very adaptive. If you are someone that can't offer something to them, you are, you are a chair. That you are nothing to them. <laughs> chair. Uh, so because of that, it's it's a difficulty to keep long term relationships. So you'll see someone yeah. who doesn't have really long standing friends, or they don't have they don't keep in touch with their family. They don't have they have a pattern of like really frequent chaotic like romantic relationships. Uh, they they tend to like be abusive, and insist on being correct or being right. And so this is often the crux of where the abuse comes from. It's this sense Mm -hmm. of like, you have to do it this way. Like you have to wash things this way. You have to look this way. You have to dress this way. This is the right way to do it. And if you don't, then I have to be aggressive to teach you how to do it. Mm. And then they're... Sound like just a ball of joy. I know. These are awesome people. They get reinforced by being independent. So that's like a big driving force. It's like, I am, I'm independent. No one's influencing me. I am powerful. I mm-hmm. am the influencing force. Cognitively, they tend to blame their hostility on other people. And so... Sure, they made me do it. Yes. Yeah. Because the world is threatening. I had to do this. Because I know you were going to do something. Mm-hmm. I had to do it this way. Um, Which is probably why... Th- I bet you they end up in prison and are like, I don't deserve to be here. Like, I... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've I've talked to a lot of people that have like were recently released from prison, and when you talk about what led to it, it was it's always the lawyer fucked up, mm. the judge didn't like me, the police officers were targeting me. I had I was working with this antisocial guy who was a pedophile, and it was so so fucking disgusting. Uh, him talking about how it was the young boy's fault that he got molested. Uh, it, it was just so hard to sit through because he was just like everything about it. It was like he he did this. It's his mom's fault for like leaving him alone with me. It was this person's fault because of this. Everything. And then even to then, he, he was complaining that he had to live in this junky trailer because in the town he lived in, it was hard to find a location that was far enough away from schools and parks. And he's like, it's so unfair because like, just because of all these people, I have to live in this trailer when I could I could be happy living much closer to a school. Like it's yeah. So going back to your insight question, usually it's no insight. It's mm. it's the lenses they look through are so tightly pressed against their eyes that they can't tell. Mm. They're just like yeah, the world is dangerous. People are doing this stuff to me. Hmm. The, their emotional expression tends to be more hostile, um, and they, they they guard more soft emotions. So you, you tend to not see a lot of sadness or a lot of happiness or a lot of these like weaker emotions. Do you think that? they maybe this is a stupid question but do you think that they have those emotions they just suppress them or do you think that they maybe get to a point where they just don't feel anymore so that's a really great question that's not a dumb question thanks you've been saying that a lot and i just want to say that i'm the type of person that when i was in class like as a student i asked a lot of good questions but i was like people would get really frustrated because i'd be the person like five minutes before the end of class be like um let me ask you about this. And then yeah, people can, would be super bummed. Yeah, I can see myself getting really frustrated with, with being <laughs> in the class with you. I, you know what? I learned over time that that frustrates people. So yeah. I, I I scaled back quite I, a bit. But I, I do have good questions. So I can't help it. No, you do. You do have very good questions. I have a lot of respect for people that ask frequent good questions early in class. And then it... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like people who can like are very interactive early and then it slowly peters out. I like that because then like we speed up and then we're done. So th- so the question you're asked. So I think I think you can go either way. I think either way, this is what you're seeing. But I can some of the big causes for antisocial are just brain dysfunction where their emotional processing is damaged in some way mm. and or just not properly formed or functioning and so i can see it being that it's just a weaker flicker of an emotion where mm. anger like usually like it it shines bright it's a loud emotion these smaller ones but they probably just are so weak they don't show up at all but also there is an element of learned behavior with this where i could like i have an example coming up where you might be in an environment where you're taught like don't don't be set don't be a pussy don't yeah well yeah and going back to toxic masculinity and like cultural norms yeah i feel like that is especially for young males in some families those are the kinds of behaviors that are rewarded yes yes i've 
I mean, at the same time, like young females too. I remember I was working in a child psych hospital and there was a girl that got brought in because she was at a church function. She had conduct disorder and she was well on her way to being antisocial. She saw another girl laughing, assumed that the girl was laughing at her. And then she ripped out a chunk of the girl's hair and then mm. smashed her face against a brick wall. Just Jesus. assaulted her. When I talked to her, I asked her, like, has this girl ever made fun of you before? And she's like, no, I've never met the girl before. Wow. And I was like, how did you know she was making fun of you? And she was like, well, why, like, why are you laughing? And I was like, yeah, you're right. But like, but what if she's laughing at something else? And she's like, well, like, I didn't want to risk it. Like, she was like, I felt I had to do this. So then I asked her, well, well were your parents there? Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, I did it. And then my mom came up to me afterwards and said, good for you, honey. Don't let people push you around. Hmm. And so she was like directly praised for like just destroying this poor girl's face. Wow. It, was more, it was horrifying. Those are the ways that like a person may look antisocial. There are some ways to assess for it. Called Couple- observing. Well, that's a more that's a more effective assessment. So there's one that people talk about, and people are like, "Oh, this like, the, the psychopathy checklist. Oh, the, the the psychopath test, the psychopath test." And it's just like, I typed it into Google to see if I could find it, and just like all over like, these questions can unlock if you're antisocial. If this person's antisocial. Yeah, how's that different from a psychopath? They, I mean, those terms kind of don't have a lot of the validity. Mm-hmm. A psychopath, sociopath, antisocial is kind of like lumped together. But you can have psychopath. A psychopath or having psychopathy is someone um, with abnormal or violent behavior. So, so it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a subcategory of antisocial. Yeah. Okay. So like the guy from Enron, Bill Benron. Bill, yes, Bill Benron from Enron. <laughs> no, what was that? Um, Kenneth Lee Lay. So he was the CEO of Enron when Enron went bankrupt. And yeah. When they did like a retrospective investigation he he was showing all these signs of antisocial behavior he was lying he was cheating he was conning he showed no remorse he's blaming the investors for trusting him all these things he would be antisocial without psychopathy he didn't mm-hmm. show any violence he didn't mm-hmm. show any like, aggressive behavior whereas antisocial with psychopathy would be someone like jeffrey dahmer who would be like serial killer style the serial killer style is definitely with psychopathy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the psychopath test i'm gonna give it to you and then we're going to see how you score. Okay. And I hope I get a good score. Yes. this is this Whatever is, that means. Like any good assessment, these are all yes, no. And straight from the internet. So this is the uh, psychopathy checklist revised edition. Okay. I am manipulative. Uh, do I say yes or no? Well, what do you think? <laughs> Wait, you yeah, it's yes or no. Tell me the directions. It's yes or no. Okay. What is it? I forget questions when they're asked to me. Yes. I'm manipulative. No. Everyone is manipulative. I was going to say, like, sometimes. People who get uh, manipulated deserve it. Oh, wait. Was number two, people are always manipulative? Everyone is is manipulative, yeah. Oh, I didn't answer that. Uh, No. Okay. Manipulated people deserve it. No. I have a cruel streak. Mm, No. I exploit others for my own gain. No. I lack remorse. No. I am skilled at mimicking empathy mimicking i don't really know what that like 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 pretending that you understand someone's emotions even if you don't no i don't think so selfishness is a sign of strength no i am entitled to special treatment yes i have arrogant body language (laughs) what does that mean based on how you're laying right now i'm gonna say yes (laughs) yes i'm really arrogant with my bl so you scored pretty high on the psychopath test what two yeses no you didn't score high at all uh that is that is the assessment people will point to as like this is the thing to use uh if you can imagine it super low inner rate of reliability inadequate field reliability and validity it's, it's not a good assessment yeah. it's not effective yeah it's well i was just gonna say like it, people who are manipulative would also know how to manipulate yes. that test thank you the you're M- welcome the mmpi is a little bit better at identifying these antisocial tendencies because mm-hmm. it, it does it's it does more work in identifying if you're lying or not. But even then... I think you should just ask them, do you have antisocial personality disorder? Yeah. Are you a dick? <laughs> so a much better way to assess is exactly like you said, just like going through their history. Are mm-hmm. they getting arrested a lot? Is there tendencies towards lying? Are there complaints? Frequently? Observe other people or ask things about other people in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Their life. Live. So that's a better way to do it. So where does this come from? It, ca- it came from um, William Antisocial. Yeah, that, that was the one that was the guy that found it. Yep. And he was a jerk. So there's three primary causes for antisocial personality disorder. Okay. So brain disorder. Kinda. The biggest 
variance is is contributed to a genetic loading so like you inherit yeah, these yeah, brain yeah. These, these brain uh nuggets brain nuggets like you're mm-hmm. saying so there's a really <laughs> strong predictor for a family tradition of antisocial behavior sweet that is going to be a killer family to hang out with yeah so literally if, so if you're if one of your parents shows a tendency towards this impulsive, callous behavior, you're much more likely to develop That's it. That's so hard, though, because if you're raised in an environment with a cold, callous parent, mm-hmm. you're also probably more likely. In uh, adoption studies, though, you still see this yeah. this coming up. So... Ugh, could you imagine adopt... Ugh. That, well, that's what terrifies me, because you have to think, I like, know. if... A lot, of, a lot of kids are adopted are because pa- their parents are in prison or in jail or killed. And, and a lot of these people with antisocial personality disorder, mm. those are the three outcomes that they tend to have. There's a big contributing factor to it being inherited. You see stories of people that pretty strongly have antisocial tendencies that also have a parent that have antisocial tendencies. So like, well, I'm going to de-identify it. Um, Tunnel Dump, uh, <laughs> his father also showed this like crazy antisocial streak to the point where Woody Guthrie wrote a folk song about how much of a dick his dad was. Yeah. But then again, like he was raised by his father. And mm. so he like, it was observational as well, but you see like callous behavior run in families. Mm-hmm. Um, 11% of the variance is due to environmental factors. So mm-hmm. like, so uh, like being taught or learned this behavior when you do analysis and investigation into the childhood of people that are antisocial overwhelmingly you see a lot of childhood abuse the killer henry lee lucas showed strong abuse in his childhood and it was well documented that his mother would punish him for showing any emotion so laughing crying looking scared always always got beat uh after he died his brain was donated to harvard and they studied it and found uh brain abnormalities in the frontal lobes which is like area of executive functioning yeah going back really quick to the genetic loading to be a little bit more specific when you do these like gene variances you see a lot of um a lot of differences in where we process uh, reward and punishment so Mm -hmm. it's this idea that we don't learn punishment as strongly or we have an over favoring for the payout and reward that makes sense so much like like you or I, who were not antisocial, we would probably weigh those two like, all right, I could steal this candy bar and get it, but like the punishment's probably not worth it. But if you if you have a hard time learning that punishment or it's not that strong to you, or the reward is overwhelmingly strong, yeah. Like you're 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 gonna be doing more things that could be punishable. So going back to the causes, Ed Gein, also a guy who was isolated as a child, yeah. um, sexually abused by his mother. To the point where after she died and he was left alone, he started to rob corpses and make skin suits out of them. He was a cool dude, though. The last percentage, 31%, is unique non-genetic influences. So you know what that would be? One of the most common things you hear in the life of a serial killer. And you actually already said it in this podcast. Um, I, well, I don't know. Head injury. Oh, well, uh, that's so obvious. <laughs> I know. That's why I thought you were going to get it. <laughs> Having a head injury is one of the most common things you'll see. So often it will be like an impairment in the executive functioning. So planning, impulse control, damage to the amygdala, which is a big area of emotional processing is also a really common thing with these head injuries. So you'll see things like the the BTK killer was both dropped on his head as a baby, but also he experienced oxygen deprivation in his infancy to the point Mm -hmm. where like when he was found he was blue like his brain was damaged multiple ways Uh, son of sam had two really strong head injuries at age six and seven shortly Mm -hmm. after had a noted change his personality and by the age of 12 he was torturing animals Uh um jeffrey dahmer huge history of head injuries just like wow his parents primary mode of like punishment was hitting him in the head with stuff and so he just had like tons of brain damage so yeah what are the treatments great question recent (laughs) meta-analysis uh, recent, CBT. recent being t- 2014, they looked at six studies looking at ways to reduce antisocial tendencies. Castration. And, well, that's that's probably one of the most effective ones. Their marker of being effective is reducing going back to prison. Right, recidivism. Yeah. Among all these studies, no differences were found in treatment versus no treatment. Oh, God. So it's, it's intractable. Essentially, as of now, w- there is no effective treatment for it. The, the problem is that... A, people don't like treating people who are antisocial just because they're so difficult to treat. Yeah, I can imagine. And B, it's difficult to know if it's being effective because people who are antisocial are really good at telling you what you want to hear. And so people have a fear of delivering therapy to people who are antisocial for fear that you're going to make them a better antisocial. Did you ever watch The uh, Sopranos? Mm -mm. Oh, we should watch The Sopranos. (laughs) 
Tony Soprano, he's he's antisocial. Like mm-hmm. he has antisocial tendencies, and he's in therapy all throughout the show. And like mm-hmm. a big part of it is like him and his therapist. There's a scene where Tony, I, I forget why, but he was out to dinner with his wife, and he bumped into his therapist and had dinner with his therapist and her husband. Hmm. And her husband was talking about how therapists should not be treating mobsters and criminals because they can't benefit from therapy. They're just going to learn to be better at being antisocial. Hmm. And then there's this big conflict in their therapy because she started questioning, are you coming to me because you want to get better or because you want to not get caught as well? Like, are you going to keep doing real fucked up stuff to people or are you doing this so you become a better person? It was just, and I think that's a big thing that's keeping people from even trying to study treatments because they're worried about what, like, what are you doing it for? Hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah. I'd also be like nervous of, about treating someone with antisocial personality disorder. Just like worried about my own safety. Yes. that That's a big one. And also I feel like. Which is weird because I don't. I work with kids with conduct disorder. And I don't. I'm not afraid for my safety. Yeah. But them. Yeah. But they're a lot like they're smaller. Well, I know. But they could still set me on fire. They could. There's also this worry too where given how our society is structured once you go to jail it is exponentially more difficult to then resume like a normal productive life yeah 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 and so our system is designed where if you show antisocial tendencies to the point of like getting arrested you are continually getting reinforced for those tendencies like being antisocial in prison is going to be an adaptive factor leaving if you can't get like a productive job and you can't afford things, you're going to start getting reinforced for being better at stealing and lying and cheating because we really are in a country that wants people to get better to like wants people to rehabilitate and get back to life. Yeah. We want to remove bad people from society. And that's another big reason why we probably don't have a lot of resources that are studying how to treat this. Yeah. That makes sense. So what do you think? What should we do? I think it's cute that you have a bandaid on your toe. One of your toes. What does it say? Ouch. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have a blister on my toe. Um, what, what did you ask me? What, what do you do, think? What do I think? And then you answer. Um, I think that it's really sad. I think this is a sad situation. I think that it's really hard to imagine. It's really hard to imagine a world where there's no violence when there are this high percentage of the population who would meet this criteria. Yeah. Um, it's also like, I think a lot of people think that, you know, early education, early intervention, early treatment would take care of some of this and i'm just not convinced i don't know i don't know yeah i i think that it's a lot to wrap your head around even in talking about it, it feels like a hopeless thing of like yeah it, it, everything everything i read everything is written as it's like yep this is this is how it's gonna be but it's also written from that perspective of well this is how it already is like they're gonna go to jail but in reality like a lot of like we don't necessarily know the percentage of non-violent antisocial right, be- right, right. because right they're not seeking treatment. So, I mean, a lot of high-powered CEOs probably meet criteria for antisocial sure. personality. Like, read anything about, about like, Elon Musk <laughs> or uh, Steve Jobs, and you'll see, like, a long track record of antisocial behavior. That, But because they had the opportunity to do it in, like, a business environment, they're fine. Well, Steve Jobs is dead, but well, not from antisocial. It was from his fruit diet. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd like, I'd like to see research on, like, identifying these people early and seeing if we can stave off. I I know there's a lot of like school early intervention research that seems to posit that we could fix some of this up front. I just, I think that there are strong biological factors here that I don't know. I don't know how they yeah, there, there's would definitely, change over time. Yeah. There's very strong biological fact. Like, like over half of it is inherited. And yeah. if you're also staying in that environment, like there's the other 11%. And then if you have an abusive childhood and you're sustaining head injuries and injuries in general, there's like everything is stacking up against you where there's this family history of antisocial tendencies, sure. which is like the wild and wonderful whites of West Virginia. Did you ever watch that documentary? No. Oh, it's crazy. It is about like three or four generations of this family in West Virginia who are all antisocial. And it just like, kind of tracks out like their lifestyle, their relationship with the town and just they're like their history of crime and they, they talk about it. they're like yeah i went to jail i don't care like hmm. i i was younger than my daddy when he went to jail and like that's why i'm cooler than he is it's it is a crazy look at just inherited generational antisocial tendencies uh, wow sounds uplifting it is it's real feel good <laughs> all Speaking right of that i feel like we should round this out with something that that's like a little 
a little bit more uplifting? Balanced. So uplifting. What, what's positive in your life? Dogs. Yeah. Dogs, puppies, kittens. Bouquets. <laughs> duvets. <laughs> mayonnaise. Bouvet. Phoebe Bouvet? Mm-hmm. What's coming up in your life? Uh, you're, I, what's, what's giving me joy right now is you growing your little wildflower garden. I love my wildflower garden. It's so, so, so sweet to watch. My big thing is I've I been growing wild like wildflowers from Florida, mm-hmm. trying to attract bees and butterflies and birds. And it, it's just so satisfying to watch them grow. Aw, so I, love, I love watching you watch them. Yep. I just sit there with my... I sit on my tummy with my elbows on the ground and my <laughs> hand and my palms just staring at my flowers grow. Yeah. So that that's something that brings me joy. Yeah. What's, um, what's coming up in your life? Coming up. Oh, I'm finishing up my... I've been doing this really cool training. It's like a 10-week training that is coming to an end soon um, where I am a student. Oh. Yeah. I've been learning a ton and I really love it. And yeah, just more staying at home. Sweet. I'm not going to be one of those people who's a 25 percenter at a restaurant. I can tell you that. No, you're not going to go to a restaurant with a gun and demand a table. No. No. Okay. What's you? What's 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 good for you? I just signed up for a 620 mile race uh, across the state of Tennessee. It's virtual though, so it's basically uh, as people know, I love running, and we both love running. There's a really cool documentary called The Barkley Marathons. That's about this crazy race in Tennessee. It got canceled this year, and so the organizers organizing a virtual race across Tennessee throughout the summer. And so, oh yeah, how many months do you have to do it? Until the last day of August. Oh. And so it averages to five miles a day, and then you track it online, and then he will tell you what part of Tennessee you're in, and you get a little update on like five miles a day for like three months. Yeah. Wow. And so I'm 13.1 miles into it. This is day two, though, and I haven't run yet today. You didn't track your walk this morning? Well, I, I'm adding miles at the end of the day. So I, I still need to run, but then I'm going to add in the two-mile walk we took. Okay. All that all that counts. Cool. And then, uh, yeah, so that's exciting. So I'll, I'll be giving people updates. Um, I just looked at uh, where I am. I am in the 7,000th place, and I... Uh, my location is started, which means I'm still like in the starting park that we started at. Uh, the person who's in first place, this is day three and they're already at 127 miles. Fucking crazy people. Yeah. Where Um, are they? Uh, they are in, they passed a a Selmer. I don't know anything about Tennessee. No idea. Rob Donkersloot is winning. (laughs) Of the Tuck Tuck gang? uh, He's uh, 60 years old. Wow. He's run him. 42 to 43 miles a day for the past three days. Or he's a On fucking liar. Okay. All my loves. I will see you later. Love, Love you. you. Bye. Bye. Um, we did go on a walk together last night to our a new friend's house. Mm-hmm. We did some outside this is the sitting. Third time we've hung out with them. So they're now friends. Friends. But they don't they went listen to the podcast and they were asking us about it. They're both psychologists. And they're like, What is it like? Is it funny? I was like, You guys know us yeah. now. Like No, it's fucking serious. Also, like, we're funny. Yeah. In we person. Think, we think do you funny. think we're not gonna be funny yeah. on a podcast? Yeah, do you think you're pretending to laugh at us? No. Yeah. You feel it. Uh, Hopefully they don't start with this episode. Well, hopefully they do. Hopefully they do. If if you're listening, pause it, shoot us a little text. Let us know. Like Dr. Logan does.